Leadership and Lattes. I'm Crystal Roberts, and I'm here virtually with my co-hosts, Trisha Ryan and Dr. Danielle Lord, and special guest, Melanie Vargas. Thanks for being here, Melanie. Thanks for having me. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Today, we're talking about creativity and innovation and the importance of these concepts during transition. And we'll also be throwing in a splash of resilience. The reason we wanted to talk about this today is because the whole world is in a state of transition as we try and figure out how to adjust to opening our economies back up. Companies are trying to figure out what the new world of work will look like through hybrid workplaces. And we're facing a lot of uncertainty as these variants are spreading through populations. We're all, we also continue to wrestle with topics such as um, an important issue such as Black Lives Matter and social justice and climate change. We know that we aren't going back to the ways that things were, and we can't yet see what these real new beginnings will look like. And so we're sitting here squarely in the middle in this, what we call murky, messy middle. So what are leaders to do? And that's what we're gonna be talking about today. We began exploring this topic in our last episode of Leadership and Latte. So if you want to look back at that and listen there, you can. Today, we're continuing to dig deeper into this really important topic. And we're honored to have our special guests with us today to help us in that endeavor. So grab a cup and let's talk about leadership. So welcome, Melanie. Um, before I dive into Melanie's bio and share that with you, the formal bio, I wanted to say a few personal words about Melanie. So I first met Melanie a few years ago when we went through the coaching certification with Hudson Institute of Coaching together. And Melanie and I were initially drawn together by our location. We were part of the Seattle group uh, with another fantastic coach, Suzanne Weller, who founded the Weller Collaborative. And uh, from a personal, um, personal account, Melanie is a smart, kind, inclusive, passionate, wise, risk taker. So a lot of people can't put that to their name, risk taker. And I, I see Melanie as, as a risk taker. She's willing to step out there and um, take, on, take on new endeavors. And um, she cares deeply about her clients and her family. Family is a value of hers and her friends. She's passionate. And um, she's not afraid to be vulnerable. She's um, an awesome leader. She's also a leader with um, vision. She gives credit and accolades where appropriate and inspires with recognition. And I'm happy also to call Melanie both a friend and a colleague. So now to the formal part. So you can see why I invited Melanie to be part of the, part of the um, podcast. So formal, formal part. Uh, in her 25 year career, Melanie has developed a passion for unleashing human potential and creating pathways for people to do their best. <clears throat> Melanie is currently the founder and CEO of Radical Admission, a firm that offers executive coaching, group coaching and leadership training. She also has a fractional role. Was that right? Fractional? Part-time. <laughs> Part-time, a part-time role. <laughs> fully, fully uh, present um, as VP of HR for Haptics, a startup tech company. Prior to these two roles, Melanie spent 15 years consulting, where she has had the opportunity to work 
across hundreds of entrepreneurial organizations, which gives her a great perspective as a facilitator, leadership coach, and consultant. As a coach, Melanie focuses on thought partnership, transformation, change, and creating action plans for their clients. Over the years, Melanie has coached in many areas, such as executive presence, building leadership capacity, team dynamics, career development, confidence, imposter syndrome, and inner critic, values-based leadership, and increasing emotional intelligence. So a lot. In other words, how to be a great leader. Um, so thanks again, Melanie, for joining us on the podcast. Anything that you would like to say before we dive into um, our questions? Well, I guess, first of all, you know, thank you so much, Crystal, for the beautiful introduction. Um, I, I prefer the personal bio way more, you know, to the professional one. That just meant so much to me. Um, our, our relationship means so much to me. We've been through a lot. Um, you know, first going through Hudson and then secondly, having survived the pandemic, we, you know, we, we have an opportunity to do some collaboration together. Um, and so hearing those words just touched me. I, I, I choked up a little bit as you were saying them. It, it meant a lot to me. So thank you. Thank you very much for the words. You're welcome. Well, thanks for being here. We're excited to have this chance to, to chat with you. So I'll dive in. Um, I've got the first question. So tell us your story. How have you gotten to where you are today? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I um, th This topic means so much to me because it resonates with me so deeply personally um, because I've been through my own transition and I find myself speaking on this topic so much. I've been through my own transition numerous times. Um, and then I've helped my, my clients through so many transitions over, over this last year. Um, but, you know, I spent um, 20, 20 plus years sort of climbing the corporate ladder, um, kind of fighting, fighting my way up. Um, and really just, if I think back over that period of time, it was really around sort of trying to prove myself during those 20 years. If I were kind of mm -hmm. trying to... Um, mm -hmm theme up those 20, 20 years, it was around like, how am I going to prove myself and how am I going? And if I, um, you know, if I, if I were to sum it up, it would be around trying to prove some of those old stories. We could probably have a whole, um, leadership and lattes around old stories and trying to, prove, you know, <laughs> yeah. what are the stories mm -hmm. we tell ourselves? Mm -hmm. um, and there was lots of imposter syndrome and, um, you know, just a lot of that stuff going on. Um, and then, you know, while that year that I was going through Hudson, a lot of really strange things happened to me. Big things happened to me that year. One was my dad died. Um, and two, I got sick. I had a health crisis happen um, that really sort of threw me into this big, um, and I was going through Hudson, which is pretty life-changing in and of itself. Yeah. And I was 50. I was turning 50 that year, which is a big, big, kind of a big deal. And I suddenly had this aha awakening moment that I, you know, really, I, I really don't have anything to prove. And so it was, you know, because I had this awakening, it was like, it was such a shift in my perspective that 
I took this drastic, you know, when you, out of all the things you said, when you said risk taker, I was like, wow, that, that really, because what I did in that moment felt so stupid at the time. I literally just quit my job, which people were like, what are you doing? I quit my job. Um, I took a couple months off and I started this new job, which is Radical Ignition. I started this company. I just did it. It was like, I didn't like what I was doing. I was in transition and I just went for it. Um, and now the truth is I really am. And, you know, I really am. I have this opportunity to live my dream. I'm doing some things that I really, really love now. Um, and I'm still, I'm still in the thick of it a little bit. I'm still in it. I'm moving through it. And I've had some other pivots through the pandemic. Um, but for the most part, it's been, it's been quite a ride. And now here I am, I find myself talking about transitions. Mm -hmm. I've, I've experienced my own transition and I've also had the opportunity to kind of help lots and lots of organizations and people move through their, their transitions as well. Mm -hmm. Wow. I love that story. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. You're talking about transition and, and it's that place, you know, you're sort of neutral. So you were in that neutral zone, basically kind of in that murky middle, right? Um, between the end and the next beginning. Mm -hmm. So how have you been innovative as you've been going through that messy, murky middle? You know that where we just really don't know what's in front of us, what's behind us, but we know we have to we have to do something. No, I and I love it. I I'm such a um, I'm very familiar with that that model because I'm a huge William Bridges fan, and um, and you know I know you OD ex experts know exactly what I'm talking talking about. But the messy in the middle is a beautiful place to be. You know, I try to help my cl my clients see that. You know, I guess what really resonates me, what resonates for me there is when COVID hit. Um, because I, that was my first um, period of fear. I call that my, my fear phase, fear phase number one. I've hit a few of them during the pandemic, but that was fear phase number one because all of my training business was in person. I was, mm, you know, I, I was yeah. doing it all in person and, and then it was like, okay, now what? That business is gone. All that business is gone. So what am I going to do now? You know, in all my coaching, pretty much all my coaching was in person. I had a couple virtual clients, but you know, in my mind, the first place I went to is, well, it's over now. Um, the truth is when you can get yourself out of fear and into yeah. solution, magical things start to happen. So you're pulling yourself through the curve. So, um, and amazing, creative, innovative things happen in the messy middle. And at the same time, I was inside a company doing some consulting. They were um, in, a, in a clinic that did, um, not to give you a whole, whole lot of information, but basically they had kids that they treated kids with autism. And of course, nobody was coming into the clinic, right? They couldn't have the kids coming inside the clinic. So they were having a completely shift and pivot the way they were doing their business. Um, and so I was helping them when COVID hit, I was helping them figure out how to pivot 
because we were all pivoting at the same time. I was pivoting, they were pivoting, and, you know, we were all pivoting, trying to navigate through COVID. Um, and so once I got out of that fear mindset, it was like, wow, actually, if I can build a training model online, there's actually more opportunity out there for me. And I, I was able to make that shift and all of a sudden, all these other opportunities started opening up. Um, and because I wasn't in fear anymore, I started thinking about more ways to deliver my service. I started creating other products and services in my mind that I could sell different ways of, because I wasn't in fear anymore. I was thinking differently. I was creating, I, I really actually am an ideator. And so when I got myself out of fear, I started creating more things because I was seeing hope. And when we're stuck in fear, we're actually not creating anything. We're just stuck in fear. Yeah. 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 I love that comment that you made um, that we're not in fear, that then we can see hope. Mm -hmm. And I think that is, that's so powerful. Um, because that that is what opens it up it's that that notion of possibility and thinking about um and, and even though you can't necessarily see what that looks like just opening up the the hope creates the the literal flood in your brain of you know <laughs> blood to the areas that actually get to your executive function and um you can start to think yeah. straight again so, so yeah, so I'd love that. Well, and you said something yeah. just really, um, I thought was brilliant. And quite frankly, it is fundamental, but it's brilliant. And that was that when you can get yourself out of fear and into solution, that amazing things happen. And I think that that's something I'm going to have to put, and I will give you credit, but I'm going to have to put down in, um, in LinkedIn or something. I think that is a is a brilliant statement and often we get so stuck in fear that we can't see that if we just step out for a moment there's there are all sorts of possibilities around us so thank you for sharing that that was um, actually quite impactful for me well i guess the, the way i look at that now is that any time in my life if i look back where i have made decisions out of fear they've never been good decisions uh-huh uh-huh. Now, if I, if I, you know, it's like, I, I asked my clients, what would this look like? Whatever it is that you're dealing with, what would this situation look like if fear were completely off the table? Whatever it is that you're dealing with, say it's, you're thinking about a job or you're thinking about, you know, quitting your job, or you're thinking about taking a job, or you're thinking about starting a company or not starting a company, whatever it is. What if, what if fear was not there? I mean, fear gets in the way all the time. And then oftentimes we're, we're not accepting whatever it is. We're resisting it. So we're not moving through the change curve because we're hanging on to something. It's usually fear. Fear is an ugly thing. We all have it. And it is so halting for so many people, you know. Great for coaches, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, they definitely call it the great inhibitor. And, you know, it's, 
it's been used for a long, long time uh, to really um, impose control. Uh, so I think, you know, it's important for leaders really to recognize, too, that when you are inducing fear in your own culture, you are basically being highly manipulative and um, creating a situation um, that, yeah, just shuts everything down and does not allow people to uh, to be their best. Um, but, uh, yeah, love that story, uh, Melanie. And I, I still I play those same stories in, in my head over and over and over, too. <laughs> things that get in my way of moving forward and some certain things as well. But, um, you know, we oftentimes get those questions and we try and give the practical answers. Um, so for those leaders who are kind of stuck, whether it's fear or, you know, however you want to label that anxiety, trepidation, whatever. Uh, who are stuck in that messy middle, what's, what are some practical things that you would give them um, um, to help move them out of that? Um, what are some, what's some advice? I always like to tell people, just put it on paper and get it out of your head, first and foremost. But what uh, other practical things come to mind for you? Yeah, well, you know, I mentioned the fear question. That's one of them. Um, and then also, you know, sometimes it's, you know, focusing on, you know, what can't you change? So focusing on like accepting what you can't change versus, um, versus putting most of your energy on what you can change. Cause a lot of times it's the opposite, right? We're focusing on all yeah. the stuff that we can't change. And, and <laughs> you know, I could, I could put all that stuff like on what, what happens with my kids, you know, like a lot of times I think I can, I can fix or change whatever's wrong with that. And I can't. So it's like, I got to accept it. I got to accept the situation because a lot of times I can't fix that. They, you know, they got to learn to fix themselves and actually have the confidence to be able to fix themselves. So I'm actually getting in the way. Um, and so if I just accept that and step back, they actually are more confident in doing it themselves. So we yeah. don't see that we're actually part of the problem. So when acceptance is usually the answer, acceptance is very powerful. Um, it's a very powerful tool when we can use it. It's huge. I mean, even mm -hmm. in my own parenting. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I think acceptance is great, great advice. That's probably one of the most powerful things. And you know, if you look at the pandemic alone, and in that, holy smokes! I mean. It's all about acceptance because we, we we can't change the Delta variant. You know, that's the new yeah. thing of how it's coming in and all this information that is now coming back that we're having, you know, we thought we had light at the end of the tunnel and now we've got the dang Delta variant coming in that we're all having to adapt to inside organizations that's creating the big four little word fear and uncertainty is coming back in for all of us to have to deal with again. And so what are we going to have to do? acceptance and one day at a time back to taking things one day at a time yeah i i i think that um it's a really great tip and a great reminder to draw that circle uh you know on a piece of paper and then put another circle inside of that circle and say okay what's within my span of control and what's outside of my span of control and focus on that. What what do I have control over? And the rest of it, you just have to let go of. So yeah, really great to thank you so much. I appreciate that reminder too. Yeah. 
<laughs> and it's about the energy. Like you were saying, it's, it's, if you're focusing, we only have so much energy, you know, we just, only, yeah. we only have this one um, body basically of energy. And if we're focused all on the things that we can't change because we're mm. so upset about that, then we have no capacity to actually think about what we can do. Yeah. So, yeah. so we're, we're stuck and that does definitely contribute to that murky being stuck in that murky middle. And even when we talk about the being able to uh, let go of the endings, that's part of that, that acceptance of saying, okay, I'm going to let go, even though I'm in the middle, I have nothing to grab onto to take me to the other side. I've got to stand in this place before I can move to beginnings. And, and that's tough. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. It, it's a really good yeah. realization, though, when you think about, you know, so many people right now, almost everybody on this earth is dealing with some kind of issue um, around, you know, the things they can't change because so much they can't. And I think they totally lose sight. We do. I'm, I'm with them. Mm -hmm. We lose sight of what we can change. And so I think that's just, um, that's, a brilliant statement and I'd really love to I, I think I'm gonna to have to unpack that a little bit more because we see it all around us and it impacts how we do our work and uh -huh. Uh -huh. With. so yeah that's um, yeah. good for thought thank you yeah no even if you think about leaders accepting where people show up on that change curve it's like that's acceptance you know that we all yeah differently that's acceptance even in and of itself is that we're going to all be at a different place and so that's yeah. like they're all trying to you know push people to be somewhere you know that's what leaders do automatically is that they kind of poke at people to be no actually we need to just accept people that they're all going to be at a different spot and we have to let people show up the way that they are that's what our leaders need to be doing yeah yes yeah so true so true I had this actually I'm making this interesting connection and it may there may not be a connection actually here but something we, we've been talking a lot about um at work is this and it's been in the news and articles have been written just like I don't know in the last couple of weeks there's this recognition that I, I think there's now a term for it but that all these people are going to be leaving their jobs it's sort of like this exodus and especially as things start to return more to normal. And I wonder if there's anything related to those two things about people trying to, because there's so much that feels out of control, that that's one of the things that they can control to say, mm. I can quit my job and do something else. Um, uh -huh. when, when there's so much that you can't actually influence. So I don't know, maybe it's a psychological <laughs> that no, but, exodus may be connected to some of that but you know crystal when you say that it it goes back to what melanie was saying in the beginning when you were talking about how fear um you know was kind of driving the fact that the pandemic told you now you don't have a business right now you were sitting there going i don't have a business and so you had to come out of that and think about what you could do right and so it's you, you may not be able to have that in-person training anymore, but now you've, you've actually evolved your business into something that's even more amazing, right? As a result of that. So, yeah. I also think frankly, Crystal, that the pandemic has forced people 
to question everything. Yeah. And, yes, for sure. and it's made people say, I'm not going to stay in a miserable job. Yeah. In fact, if you treat me poorly, I'm just going to leave and go somewhere else. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, it makes leaders have to step up their game. It makes psychological safety even more important. It's made yep. everyone sort of recognize what's important in life. Um, so we all have to kind of be stepping up our game, right? Um, yeah. I think yeah. that's what mass exodus is. Yeah. yeah. We're all kind of yeah. moving around because we're realizing like life is short. Let's, yeah. let's make this more meaningful and do the stuff that we yeah. really want to do. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think the proverbial straw has gotten a lot heavier <laughs> uh, over the past few months. And I think that there's a definitely a threshold for lower tolerance for what people are, are willing to accept in terms of how they're being treated. And yeah, I've, I've heard a couple of stories recently where someone quit job uh, their their job. I don't think it was a career type of a position, but it was enough for someone to say, I'm not going to wear this um, really ugly t-shirt. And that was it. They left. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I, yeah, I think that people are just having to really have those, the, that hard look at, you know, it is my life worth it to be treated this way? And no, I'm better than this. And I deserve to be treated better. Just yeah. too bad it took a pandemic to, you know, bring all of this to the surface. But, but in other, another way to look at it is, thank goodness it took the pandemic to um, wake up a bunch of people who had not ever really seen themselves looking at what they could do, what they could have instead of what they do have. So. Yeah. And that kind of leads us into this last question about um, resilience. So when we think about all we've talked about, how, what role does resilience play um, in helping people maybe survive or thrive in this messy middle um, and help them to move where, when we can anyway, to move to new beginnings? Yeah, um, I think it's, it's vital. I mean, I, you know, it's funny. I've studied so, and I've, I've studied so much about resilience this last year. I know we've talked a lot about resilience, Crystal, um, and and really, and I and and I I spoke on a podcast not too long ago called the resilience the resiliency theory around, you know, this idea of it. Can we learn it? Can we learn resilience? Um, which I believe we can. Um, you know, some of us just naturally have it, and others you know, we can, it's like a muscle that if it's not very strong for you, you can build it. Um, and you can continue. It's kind of like going to the gym. You just go and you keep working. Mm -hmm. Um, and I truly, truly believe that to be true. Some of us just have it because we've had, you know, I'm a person that I've had a lot of, of adversity in my life, um, from a young age on. And so this is something that naturally comes to me. So when pandemic hit, yeah. I, I was able to just do this. And I just, I was able to bounce back. Um, and I just keep bouncing back because I just keep trudging through and bouncing back. And, you know, yeah, fear kicks in, but I just keep bouncing back. I've had, this has been my life. I'm sorry to say, um, you know, I've just, I've had adversity and not everybody has had that. So this mm -hmm. experience has been difficult. And so it might be yeah. harder to bounce back. Um, but it doesn't mean you can't learn how to do it. 
And that's to me what resilience is, is learning how to like, you have something really hard happen, but you have to learn how to bounce back. That's really the easy way to explain it. Um, And so I think it's absolutely, you're in the kind of messy middle, but then we, we do need to, even though there's this beautiful stuff that can happen, we do need to move through it because way on the other side, I mentioned acceptance and hope and all, you know, there's, um, you know, we do need to move through it. So we can't just stay here because we would be stuck. Right. Yeah. Um, so I do think the resilience is how we continue to flow. And so it's a very powerful idea to me. I see it kind of like, um, as like an ocean coming onto the beach, you know, it's like, we're just flowing through it. This idea of flowing. That's why I like the, this, when I think of the bridges model, I see it as like this flow. And I even did an abdication, kind of like a, a curve like this. I don't think it's like a circle. I think we're flowing through it. Yeah. Go ahead, Trisha. So Melanie, I know we're getting close to the end of our time and you have what I would hope is a very bright future. And as you look at your future, what are you excited about? What are you looking forward to learning and and pursuing? Yeah, I feel like I'm always sort of learning and pursuing. Um, You know, for me at this point in time, it's less about acquiring things and achieving things. Um, and like climbing the corporate ladder. Cause I feel like I have so much to me, it's about balance. Um, and so as much as it said, as much as I would love to sit here and say, Oh, I want to just, you know, I want to do all this great stuff with radical ignition. I do. I do. I feel like I have this amazing company. What I want most in my life today is to, to spend time with my family and to have the kind of work that allows me to live my life. Because I know at the end of my life, I'm not going to look back and say, gosh, I wish I would have made more money. I wish I would have, you know, I wish I would have worked harder and more hours. I'm going to look back and say, I wish I would have spent way more time with my kids and the people I love. And so that's, my future. You know, it's funny. I would not have been saying this 15 years ago. Um, but right now, what I'm excited about is that, that I continue to be, to, ha- to be aware, to, to be grounded and aware and to have people around me that will keep me in check on that. That's what I'm most excited about. That, yeah, that's so lovely. And I, I don't think a lot of people would have had that thought 15 months ago, okay. Melanie. I think that, um, you know, being locked down and locked in, whatever you want to call it, has really made a lot of people really appreciate balance a whole lot more. Um, and, and we hear it. Uh, I know I hear it in the work that I do every day. And it's like, I found this place of being, having more time and appreciating the time I'm spending with my kids or making healthy meals or getting out and moving in, in different ways. And I don't know that I want to give that up. So yeah, I think that um, this has been a time where we, when we could let the fear go and we could appreciate the beauty that we get through a good balanced lifestyle. I think that's been um, a real 
moment of clarity for a lot of folks. For sure. Yeah. You said, Melanie, that, you know, you, you really think balance is your focus now. And I, I think about all the people that I've talked to lately who have, who are still working from home and they have their kids sitting around the kitchen table while they're in meetings and they're loving it. And what opportunity, what other time in the world would they have ever had an opportunity truly may have been forced, but it is a gift in itself that they now get to connect with their kids and their, and their spouses or their significant others in ways they never thought were possible before. So, you know, I, I commend you. That's a, that's a great realization when you think about it, you know, you, you could be sitting here saying, and I, and I see my business really soaring in the next year. And I really think that's probably going to be true, but it will also probably be true because you have balance as your focus. You know, people see that it, it makes it seem, I think more real, you know, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I love that. It's, it's inspiring and it's a good reminder. And I also love that it's, um, it's a way for you to, to live your values and, and mm. to, to honor mm-hmm. those. Cause I know how important that is to you. So, and I was thinking, Danielle, when you were saying, you know, that this, it's a this forced pause and i do think that's true that i don't think people even knew what they were missing so i completely agree with that yeah 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 and so we sort of all drunk the kool-aid on that one i think to say we got to have our kids in 600 different activities and we got to be moving all the time and then Mm -hmm. when we slowed down it was like wow this is, <laughs> this is this nice. Is nice. This is meaningful. This is better. Um, yeah. And so I think yeah. I think it is gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how it shifts our world, um, and how we how we adapt to that. We might not go all the way back, but yeah, yeah, full circle that transition. Well, and I think too, Crystal, as you were talking about, you know, the pause and and slowing down, and I think that. Um, when we get into that place of just going all the time, right? One thing after another and never slowing down. And I think some people really saw it as a badge of honor that I'm just so busy all the time. I don't have time to breathe. But I think that very state of perpetually being that busy and that emotion, it carries through or allows that place of fear to take hold even more. Yeah. you know to where we started where you just you're so busy that you just can't even so you just remain in that kind of constant state of motion which includes the fear piece Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. I think more people than not are realizing that now it's maybe just starting to dawn on them but they're starting to see it I do have a few clients who have not gotten off that hamster wheel yet though and they're anxious to get back to it and I, I keep asking you know what does the new, the new norm look like? You know, is it yeah. back to where you were or is it, what does it look like for you? You know, because it's, it, it's a hard one for some people to stop moving so quickly. I think there, it goes right back to that fear thing you were talking about, Melanie, where, you know, they're afraid to slow down because what happens if I, if I don't slow, if I yeah. don't slow down, I'm going to, I don't know, fall off the edge of the earth or something, but you know. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that, Trisha. I uh, remember when I was teaching the innovation course at the university, we um, 
used a book called Riding the Dragon, and uh, the two authors were um, artists um, in their own right, and they interviewed a lot of um, corporate levels, you know, 500, um, uh, what is that, Dow 500, I can't remember what it's called, you know, large organizations where the CEOs were working, you know, 70, 80, 90 hours a week. And how just being in that constant, you know, on the hamster wheel, like you mentioned, really um, uh, inhibited their creativity. And and mm-hmm. so, you know, so yeah, you just you just got to step back and, and pull away sometimes, uh, so you can allow your just every part of you to decompress. Um, and you're not going to find that that innovation and that creativity and and your way through that messy middle if you're just continuing to add add stress and fear and anxiety. So. Yeah. Yeah. So Melanie, before I do my formal closing, any, I want to give you the last, the last words. Oh my gosh. This has just been such a great discussion. Um, I really truly enjoyed it. It's a, it's a meaningful (laughs) topic for me. And one that, um, I guess one that I've experienced personally a lot, the last, I mean, I think pre pandemic, I was yeah. there. I was stuck there. Um, and I was on the hamster wheel. I was there. Um, and I was there so much that, uh, you know, I, I got sick over it. Pretty sick. You mm. know, and I, um, I was so ill and I came close to dying. Um, I had oh, heart issues. Um, and, you know, and I had been on the, you know, looking back, I had been on the hamster wheel probably off and on for 20 years um, and not. And the thing is when you're on the hamster wheel, you don't know you're there. Right. And it's yeah. a little bit like I would consider myself in recovery from the hamster wheel. Cause once you get off, you, you, you know, it's you, you relapse. It's easy to relapse. Cause I've had some relapses this, this year. Cause you, you get sucked back in, you, you get sucked back into it. It's like a tornado that sucks you back into it. Um, and there's, you know, we talked about old stories. There's old stories that you have to reframe yeah. to yeah. not get back, back on the hamster wheel. Um, yeah. Wherever you yeah. go, there you are. You can start new companies <laughs> or go to new jobs. <laughs> you know, doesn't matter where, <laughs> doesn't matter where right. you are. My husband says that all the time. Wherever you go, there you are. <laughs> you can't blame the old job or the old boss. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. you doing it. You're the one on the hamster wheel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I guess that those would be my final words. Yeah. Is that you know, one finger pointing that way, three more fingers pointing back this direction. Yeah. Um, yeah. That you look in the mirror at yourself, and you have you know this is leadership 101. Is that you know, I, the emotional intelligence, that's what I want moving forward. In addition to all the other stuff I said is that may I always have the light bulb turned on Mm. and be willing have the willingness to keep the light bulb turned on. Cause I just want to keep self-exploring because I love this being able to see stuff. I don't always see it right away, but I am willing to dig in there. You know, Crystal said I'm vulnerable I don't know if it's vulnerability. It's just, I don't want to feel like crap and I don't want to get. Mm-hmm. Sick again. 
So I'm willing yeah. to have the willingness to keep exploring. And if all of our leaders would be willing to do that, you guys, yeah. it would make our job so much easier when working with yeah. them. Yeah. Just have yeah, for sure. go, go in there and self-explore. I know and I know you wanted to give Melanie the last thought the last <laughs> word there but I was thinking as as Melanie was talking about that I thought boy what uh would it uh dichotomy we could possibly find ourselves in over the next couple of years if we've got those of us who are still you know have the the beauty and the, the opportunity to work from home or we've moved into the space of, of getting off the hamster wheel and doing what we love but we still have this group of individuals who have remained in, in on the hamster wheel in the work and maybe it's gotten even more stressful and frenetic for them because people have left and so those job duties have been dispersed even more and put on the the backs of the folks that are still there. I think it's a, a possibility of looking at a real dichotomy of, of two groups within our within our society. I bet. Yeah. How do we bridge that gap? Yeah. So so much more to dig in here. So Melanie, we'll have to have you back. <laughs> Anytime. This is so much fun. Yep. Um, so thank thank you for helping us uh, just explore some of these things and hopefully um, our listeners can take a few nuggets um, away from this conversation to help them really think about it. And I, I think for me, one of the largest pieces here is to, you've got to focus on, focus your energy um, on what's possible. Let go of focusing on those endings, have the endings, accept the endings, move on. Um, and as leaders to hold the hope for people so that they can regenerate that energy and get creative yeah. um, and get committed to the new, the new beginnings, what's coming next and really focus on how can we get there um, because we don't wanna sit in this messy middle. Um, and I love the idea that flow, um, the ocean. So get in the flow, get in the flow. <laughs> so um, <laughs> lots to think about there. Um, and uh, thanks again. So I'm gonna do my formal closing. So um, I wanted to remind our audience to send in their questions about leadership and leading in these unprecedented times. And we will try and answer them on air in an upcoming podcast. Send questions to leadershipandlattes at gmail.com. That's leadership, A-N-D, and lattes at gmail.com. If you'd like to know more about us or the show, um, and we also have Melanie's bio there and a link to her um, LinkedIn profile, please go to thepinnaclecc.com. That's thepinnaclecc.com. Technical support um, is through Ari Chance Roberts. Uh, lastly, please subscribe to our podcast. It's free and share with other leaders like yourself that you think would benefit from this podcast. Thank you, Danielle and Trisha for co-hosting with me. And thank you, Melanie, for being our guest. And I look forward to our next podcast. Thanks to our audience for listening. We'll see you next time. Take care. <laughs>